Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Today I'm joined by an amazing character, Liz Sandwith. Um, we've been working with Liz and uh, the association who runs around internal audit in the UK. What I love about Liz is her, she's got steeped in a background of internal audit in different organizations, Channel 5, Bupa, so healthcare in the UK, but also has the financial uh, background as well, but also has a fascinating uh, background in terms of where she was brought up and how she uh, was brought up by a father she obviously deeply respects. And you'll hear that today as we go through this. So we talk about many topics. And again, what I love about this is when we do work with associations, whether it's finance, internal order, risk compliance, it's, it's this ability to be able to talk around the issues, not just about internal audit or finance, but be able to have a view across the organizational, commercial and leadership issues that, that we come across in there. So fascinating conversation. Sure, you'll love it. And I'll look forward to hearing your feedback. Liz, tell us who you are. Give the audience a, a view of what you've done and where you're from. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you very much, Colin, and thank you very much for inviting me to be here today. Pleasure. So who am I? Liz Sandwith. Um, I've been in the working world probably, I would say, for almost 54 years, Whoa. of which 34 this year will have been spent in internal audit. Hmm. I grew up in a service family. My father was in the RAF, so we lived all over the world. I've lived in Australia, Singapore, Germany, what was Aden, which is now Yemen, um, you know, lots and lots of different places, Cyprus, hmm. um, which taught me that actually, unlike... And, it, and sometimes some of this is only when you reflect back in time and, and you think about circumstances. So, you know, talking to work colleagues, you know, they say, you know, that one of their best friends is someone they met in school. Well, actually, I don't have that yeah. because I probably did a new school every three years Amazing. Um, because that was the service life. I, and in a strange way, it gave me the opportunity to be new every three years. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a track record. I hadn't come up with this group of people that were in my class. Um, I came new to the class. So some of that was difficult because everybody had already made friends. There were little groups, all of that sort of thing. But also there were opportunities for me to be different because I was new. So I wasn't in the groups, um, but it meant that I had to learn how to become accepted by a group. Um, and, and I think, you know, you learn those sorts of things almost without really noticing that you've learned them. But what it has taught me through, through life is actually I'm, I'm really quite good at getting on with people. I'm really quite good at talking to people, finding out about things without being confrontational or difficult. And, you know, as an internal auditor, understanding what people do and why they do it is absolutely crucial to everything we do. 
So yeah. some of those skills you learn as a child without noticing you're learning them, you actually then take them forward in, into your working life and they are skills that you need to survive. And I think, so I think that was, was really important. I, I would also say I wasn't very good at school. <laughs> Join the club on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really where I wanted to be. I'm not quite sure where I wanted to be, but at school, it didn't seem to work for me for whatever reason. Um, my father, I think, lost patience um, after many years with me with maths. So I remember doing fractions at school and could I get my head around them? No. So we spent many Sundays with an orange breaking up the segments and thinking about it as a fraction. I love that. And what that taught me again was about coaching. It was about patience. I mean, he had the patience of a saint. Mm. I think the only time I recall him um, becoming frustrated and as it were handing me back to the maths teacher, and I will probably be about six or seven now, was um, we'd been talking at, at school in maths about a pound of lead, which was the heavier, a pound of lead or a pound of feathers. And I said lead. And the teacher said no. And, and I said yes, because lead's heavier than feathers. And he said the pound is the key, not the material. Mm. No, no light bulb, puzzled look. So I went home and I was talking to my father about it and he got out different things, some stones and then some feathers and, you know, tried to demonstrate it. And, and I can remember on the Monday morning when he took me to school, he said to, said to my teacher, over to you. I've mm. given up with her now. You <laughs> sort out a pound of feathers <laughs> or a pound of lead. <laughs> uh, and I think that was, that was, Probably the only time I ever remember him really being frustrated with me. They gave you such a good experience to go through. I mean, people yes. listening to this, I, I just want to pause on that because that growing up, that three years, that I had a similar one with my father being a doctor. We were in the US, you know, we, and, and basically being a third child as well, I just had to get on and I had to make friends. Um, and I had to work it. But I also have a common thing with you, Liz, which is sometimes the complexity of something, thinking about the pound or whatever else, is not my strength. Mm -hmm. Mine is the daily reality of building relationships and, uh, and other pieces. But but I have friends who, it, particularly in the internal audit function, who would just go, oh, Colin, you're stupid. You know, and I'm like, yes. yeah, I might be in that, but I'm not in this. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really good. And I remember I've just taken over, well, um, end of last year as chair of governors uh, for a local accountability board for an academy school. And I, I love spending time in the school, talking to the children. They are phenomenal. Mm. And, and it is an incredibly vulnerable area of Leeds. 60% of the children are on free school meals because they come from dis disadvantaged families, I would say. Mm. And I can remember having a, a, the same sort of conversation with the, the maths teacher. And I said, you know, because I sit in some of the classes when I go, and I said to her, just before you say, yes, I can come and sit in your class, can I give you an example? And I gave her the pound of lead and the pound of feathers. And she just looked at me and laughed and said, maybe maths isn't the classroom you want to sit in. 
I love that. <laughs> I think there's yeah. something about how we think as well, though, because there's cultural elements. And yes. My wife's a teacher, and she was talking about this. And and there's a couple of Hong Kong uh, origin families who've come into her school, and the speed of their uptake of the learning culturally is very different to, to ours. I think there's this cultural um, piece as well about how we're brought up in there, which which affects how we look at internal order and businesses globally as well. Yes, yes, it does. And I think, you know, I won't dwell on the mass bit, but mm. just because you're not good at one thing doesn't mean that you don't have a raft of different skills. So in my school, I get on really well with the children. Mm. They love talking to me. Um, and they have a, a school parliament and I, and I go and I listen to them and, you know, they, they're, they're brilliant at saying, so what do you do? Mm. Um, they're not, they don't go, oh my goodness, that's the chair of our governors. We have to be on our best behavior. They just go, I'm going to ask a question. Who are you? What do yes. you do? <laughs> what, why are you here? <laughs> Love it. There's no side to them. And I, the other thing I noticed, and again, I think this is, is time passing. So I wear glasses, you wear glasses. When I was a child at school, you used to get the, 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 the teasing about being, you know, four eyes, specky yeah. four eyes, all that sort of very cruel stuff with children. But what I have noticed is how tolerant they are of each other. I, I mean, in, in one of the uh, school parliaments that I attended, and it's a group of about 15 children representing years, there was a, a young girl and she had a soft toy because she needed that, that comfort. It was important to her. It helped her. It was an anchor. And she had it out on the table and she was just stroking it and touching it. Nobody said a word. Yeah. And I just thought, wind the clock back to the mid fifties. And I wouldn't have even dared to have that at school mm. because of how you would have been mocked. There yeah. would have been no tolerance for that at all. So, mm. so I think we're seeing a, a, a future generation, and I hope they keep the tolerance and respect for each other that I'm seeing in, in this school. And I know it's not the same everywhere, but mm. I am seeing it. It inspires me to think about my world and internal audit and you know, what we do. And are we, as internal auditors, tolerant of each other? Do mm. we identify our strengths? And do we, do we embrace those strengths and support them? So we've been talking a lot about ESG and internal audit, environmental, social, and governance. And one of the things some internal auditors will say, not what we do, not what I'm about. Um, and what I've been saying is there might be somebody in your internal audit team who actually has a passion about the climate agenda. Okay. If they have, forget whether they're a newbie or a manager or a deputy head of internal audit, CAE, encourage that, give them some skills to be more knowledgeable about that, and they can be your subject matter expert on that topic. Love it. Because they love it and it matters to them. Don't put them doing data analytics, which probably they'll do a bit like me and my maths. They'll go, hmm, 
I've got to do it, but I'm not really sure why. It's interesting for me, Liz, because we're we're talking about a couple of things. One is I'm reading this amazing book, and I'm going to get the title wrong, so I'll put in the um, show notes uh, later on, but it's The Courage of Compassion. And the book is about uh, a public defender in the US who set up the Brooklyn Public Defender's Office, and therefore all she did was represent the people who couldn't be represent, represent themselves, who couldn't afford that. But a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that are based around this, it's called the justice system. But actually, it's not the justice system. It's a legal system or a system that either favors one side or the other. And it's similar to internal audit for me, which is there's a perception that this is a checking up system versus an, an education, a passion system. And it, it was resonating to me as I was thinking we were recording this morning going, there's so many similarities about how we get in there. And therefore, igniting somebody's passion about a topic yes. is a way of doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that is is very true about internal audit. You know, and I talk to people, whether it's in organizations where I am, you know, the head of internal audit or whether it's you know, my training, whether it's talking to our members. And, you know, everybody will say, Liz, your passion for internal audit is phenomenal. And, you know, I will say to people, you know, I've done 34 years here. Have I hated the job? No, never, never, never. I've had bad days. I've had fallouts with the audit committee at various places. But I've had phenomenal days. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I used to be the head of internal audit at, at Channel 5. And I can remember we had a, we used to call it the, the program department on the third, they used to be on the third floor. And they were really creative souls. Well, you try talking to creative souls about risk, about control, about process. And, you know, you just get the, no not interested, move on. And and I can remember one of my early uh, meetings with the drama program controller. Um, And you can never get meetings in the morning, um, but any time in the afternoon, early evening. And I I had a meeting with her about half past five, quarter six. And I went in and she had candles around the room and she had a bottle of wine and two glasses. And I said, this is an internal audit meeting. And she said, yes, but you can have a glass of wine, can't you? I always have a glass of wine about that. No, actually, really, I can't. I'll have a cup of coffee, but perhaps not wine. And I'm looking at these candles thinking, health and safety, has anybody done anything? (laughs) So we ended up, you know, we got on really, really well. And eventually um, they became the um, program controller for the channel. And they used to... Um, we, we went from offices to open plan to encourage people to talk, to share, to, um, you know, learn from each other. And he, he was a, 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 I really liked him, huge, huge sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I used to go on to the floor to talk to anybody, he always had a microphone and he used to stand on his desk and shout and sing, Liz is here. We love <laughs> internal audit. <laughs> You, you really don't, because I've got a report I've got to give you, and you're not going to like it. <laughs> but that was a, an experience I've never met anyone I've never else. heard a story like that. Somebody getting yeah, on a desk. Sometimes it's all very poker face and very yeah. dry. But 
But again, you see, I, I think it's what you learn and, and the things you bring with you. So, you know, that was, you know, a TV company, but you can move into anything. I've, I've done, I've worked in, you know, healthcare, um, a variety of different organizations, public, private, financial, um, you know, whatever. But, but if you, if you care about people yep. and you care about your, what you're doing, your profession, I think you, you take that with you. And, you know, I've never said you can't have a laugh mm. when you're doing an internal audit. Mm. And, and I always get cross when people say, well, you only smile, internal auditors only smile when they find something wrong. No, 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 rubbish. No, yeah. no. I smile when you tell me something and we have a laugh about it or I share something with you and you laugh. Mm. That's when we smile. And I can remember many years ago working for an insurance company and, and I was going through some files and I found a, I think it was either a two or a three carat diamond mm. in the file. And, and I put it in my hand and I, I went to the manager and I said, I've just found this. Where did you find it? And he said, um, I said, oh, it was in a file, just loose. I said, do we work finders keepers here? <laughs> and, he left and he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I think this is the humor of uh, insight. So we do the same on design thinking as well. So when your observations and the insights that come out of that, and those insights drive uh, behavior. And, I, you know, I always tell a story of, that's a famous one about the university in the U.S., a college, who they were building a university. But rather than putting the paths in for the students, they laid it totally on grass. Then they let the students in. And they walked where they would walk between the buildings. And then once they got the path, they then put down the pavements to, to work so they're able to walk on. And I think it's it's a different way of looking at it. Same with, with audit, which is if you can demystify the audit and you can dis demystify the world, there's a lot that happens in our day-to-day -day world that is a risk. Even just putting a restructure into business, the legal side of HR, it doesn't mean that you lose your humanity or the care for people. It's just being able to blend those into effective decisions in a lot of ways is what, what you're talking about there, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although the path story is quite interesting because my, my husband's a, a dairy farmer and we have a footpath across mm. our, one of our fields, um, which, you know, irritates him at times because mm. people don't, you know, don't control their dogs and all sorts of things. So he gets frustrated occasionally. But then sometimes the walkers follow what they think is a path, but it's where the cows have walked. So <laughs> the cows have a, a, a routine in terms yeah. of their day and where they walk, and you can see paths they create. And so I guess in your scenario, you could end up with the wrong path. Mm. Um, and so it's about sensing which mm. is the path that actually you want to build a path on and which was the path that perhaps is the, the wrong path going in the wrong place and therefore you want to ignore that path. So, you know, I think the, the path scenario is, is a great one, but it's yeah. being careful that you're, you're building on the right path, not, not a false path or, or a path that leads to the wrong outcomes.
I, and there's a relevant story to that now, which is ChatGPT and and that because you know the, this seems to be in some ways the scariest but most positive thing that's happened in businesses, and people are talking about the use of it. But there's where's the data? Where does the data go behind it? Is a critical issue for internal audits. So that path might be a powerful one, but we've got to watch out what happens. And even now on the news this morning, they're talking about. Um, the people who are open AI are saying we need to have some regulation here because this is almost like the nuclear commission. You're like, whoa. Yeah. But that's where internal audit plays a, a key role in that pathway yeah. on identifying the risks. I think that's great. And I think you're right. And, mm. and chat GPT is phenomenal and it, it seems to be rocking everybody's world. So I've got it as a governor of schools, as I mentioned earlier. You know, is the, are the children doing their homework or is chat GPT doing their homework? Yeah. I've got it with internal auditors. I, I was in a meeting yesterday and we were talking a, about a, a research project and somebody, you know, had spent time putting all their, their thoughts together and it was a great, great piece of work. And then another person around the table said, well, I just gone into chat GPT and said, supply chain, what are the risks? What are the controls? What do we need to be thinking about? And, you know, he was saying, actually, it's virtually all the things that you've just talked about. And I did it in less than five minutes. Mm. But as internal auditors, that actually isn't that good for us because mm. what we need to be able to do is to add value. You know, I can go into chat GPT and ask exactly the same question that you did. And therefore, we all have the same answer. But actually, where do we bring value? And and it's more around us. And I'm not knocking ChatGPT at all. You know, I think AI and the future is just phenomenal. Um, although I'm not that sad. I'm going to retire, hopefully, in the next five or six years. I think We're back to the math back to thing my, here, aren't we, Liz? Yeah. Yeah, my, my lead and my feathers. Um, but I think it's a, it's about saying... Actually, as an internal auditor, if I'm tasked with doing an audit, whatever it is, and I go on to chat GPT and in effect, it writes my terms of reference, that the function that, that I'm auditing, the department could have done exactly the same. Yeah. And, and therefore, it, what are we doing now? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you as a head of a function can look at what you should be doing, ask questions, put things in place, and I'm coming along saying, oh, great, you've identified all the risks, you've got the controls in place, this is all great. But but actually, wh where's the here, the yeah. thinking that goes with that? Um, you know, the, the things that we talked about, you know, as children that you learn, mm. uh, you know, exploring things, our paths. Mm. Do we need a gate on that path? It might be a valid path, but maybe we need a gate on it. So I know... Some organizations are already banning chat GPT. Mm. Um, some are looking at the paid version and what, how they can make that work. But, but I was also talking to a, a great guy who was at our island conference. And he sent me an email after the conference of the 28 new AI tools that had been launched just that week. Mm. And it's like, whoa, how fast is this? Yeah. And, there are people saying this is, you know, the end of internal audit. Um, why will we need internal audit anymore? And I go, you see, I can wind the clock back to when 
corporate co- governance became the thing and, and everybody said, oh, now we've got corporate governance. We won't need internal audit anymore. And that proves we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's about learning to be adaptable. And, and that's back to my different school every three years. Yeah. Learning and, and understanding the importance of appreciating the challenges we face, not being intimidated by them and a bit, you know, a bit as we said, um, you know, you, we will make mistakes mm. because that's life. You make mistakes. And I, and I gave you the example of, of drying dishes when I was a, a child and, you know, dropping a plate and getting very upset. And my mother said, you know, don't, don't worry. You know, you, 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 if you do something, you'll make mistakes. You've dropped a plate because you're drying dishes. And I can remember crying and saying, but my brother doesn't drop plates. And my mum said, Yes, because he never dries dishes. So if you don't do something, you can't make mistakes. Mm. But if you do and you make mistakes and you learn from that, that's hugely positive. It's an interesting one for me, Liz, and we could talk all day on this, and I think we need another session to to go through (laughs) this, but it's this piece about experimental mindset, isn't it? So for me, ChatGPT scares the bejesus out of me because I don't want to understand it, but I can sit with somebody you might know, Aaron Brewer, who's cyber um, security for um, Standard Chartered. And we, we sit and we talk about it to, to help me understand because his brain works that way. And it's that experimenting. He says, well, have a go, have a go, have a go. And by the time I've had a go, I start to get it. But it's that curiosity behind it mm. to ask the questions, so what happens to the data? You know, can we, is it a plagiarism ish, issue? And actually, a lot of the coding behind it means that it isn't a plagiarism issue. Can't even say that word this morning. But how do you get into internal audit to get people to experimental, be experimental in their mindset about how they they operate? Because a lot of it is methodology and application. I think we're talking about a key area for internal audit here. I absolutely agree. And I think what is one of the, the positive things that I see now in internal audit functions in whatever sector you're in is the diversity of people in the internal audit team. So... Mm-hmm you know, without being disrespectful in any way, but, you know, often internal audit teams were made up of accountants. Yes. And that's great. Well, mm. You know, we audit financial stuff. So it's great that we have accountants there that can understand all that. But, you know, we in the past, we didn't used to have people who had HR qualifications or people who had um, degrees in a variety of things. And I remember... Um, somebody coming in who, who uh, had a degree in philosophy. Mm. And, and I can remember, you know, talking to the head of audit. I wasn't a head of audit then and saying, why? Mm. You know, and he said to me, talk, talk to her, listen to her, take her with you to meetings and hear her interpretation of what's been said. Mm. rather than your interpretation, which could be a bit blinkered. Hers is much broader than that. And he was so right. And and I learned an awful lot from her. And and I but I think that's true now of a lot of internal audit functions, is that they have such a variety of different people. Mm. You know, I'm hoping as we move forward, you'll have climate people in internal audit. You'll have um people who have 
economics degrees and and knowledge of things like macroeconomics and geopolitical and have worked in those areas, as well as the new young things that come through our apprenticeship scheme at the Institute. And and I do some uh, training for them. Hmm. And, you know, things like the training course I do is internal audit planning and assurance framework. And there's lots of standards around it. And it's, you know, this is this is what we do. And and I love it because they'll say to me, just as you said earlier, why? Oh, yeah. Why do you do that? Mm. What if we and and I and I I sometimes think I learn more than I share with them because Mm. you do get blinkered and that ability to think outside the box to challenge your thinking and stay fresh, current, relevant, Mm. is often a lot harder than people think um, because everybody's so very, very busy. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great place to go because I think if you look at internal audit shops as, as I know them and you look, the size of the shop sometimes helps them because you have a variety of people, thinking styles, backgrounds. And we used to do a bit of an experiment in finance where who makes the better finance people? People who've been in the business who then do finance or people who've got the CA and then have come in and, uh, you know, and learned the business, which is the, and it, I always veer towards the people who've done business and then learned the CA. Now, people are going to probably start writing emails to me in the background saying I disagree with that, but there's a, something in there. But I also sat and listened to leadership teams in internal audit functions or finance functions. And the ones that were really powerful are the ones where you almost couldn't tell who was accountable for what. Yeah. The discussions were so powerful in terms of thinking, open mindsets around pieces. And I just wouldn't mind your view on that, because I think that's where smaller shops miss out a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced about that, mm. um, about the smaller shops m- missing out. I, I think you're right. When you have mm. larger shops, you you have more ability to be innovative in the in the people that you recruit. But I think that certainly the smaller ones also have the ability to be adaptable more quickly. So yeah. instead of turning an oil tanker, I'm turning a, a yacht. Mm. And I can do that a heck of a lot quicker than I can the oil tanker. So the oil tanker is solid, reliable. You know, they have lots of different views there. But sometimes sharing all of those views and changing your thinking is really quite difficult and time consuming. Mm. Where here I am in my small, you know, two, three, four person yacht and we have an idea and we run with it Mm. and you learn immediately and as we've been saying sometimes it works but sometimes it doesn't Mm. but you can do it so much faster and you know all of that i think really strengthens because sometimes you know small internal audit teams are seen as less credible than Mm. the large internal audit teams And, and i think that's a huge mistake you know i've worked in small teams i've worked in large teams and i think each has its own positive um, in terms of advantages and disadvantages. But in terms of speed and adaptability, I think the smaller teams mm. knock it on the head. I love I love that perspective. I also just link it back to your role in the association because 
bringing all those groups together, that's there's large and small shops um, and different industries involved in there, and they all get something out of it because you can't cover everything. That's the place where they can come. Yeah. Do you want to just end with something about what the association does and what you do? Yes, happy to. Um, I'm the chief professional practice advisor. We're very good on short, snappy titles. <laughs> Uh, at the Chartered Institute of Internal Auditors UK and Ireland. And we are linked, as you would expect, to our colleagues at IIA Global. We're what they call an affiliate. So um, we have that direct link. We have access to information that Global produce. I sit on their Internal Audit Standards Board. So I've been very, very busy over the last two years, two and a half years, Um, looking at the new standards and making sure that, you know, hopefully they're fit for purpose as we move forward to what I think is going to be a very challenging decade. But at the Institute, you know, I do um, lots of webinars to share things with our members. I run um, the Local Authority Internal Audit Forum. Um, I'm responsible for the production of technical guidance I support our audit leaders. We have an audit leaders community. I run events with them. We're doing one this afternoon on data privacy and social media. And and with the audit leaders, what I try and do is bring subject matter experts in, a bit like um, Colin, your colleagues did from Potential Squared, came in and helped them with leadership. So I, I want them to better understand some of the challenges from a subject matter expert. I don't just want an internal auditor to say, this is how I did it. Okay. So I, I want them to have that broad knowledge of the topic and then they can apply the internal audit lens within their own organizations, within their own internal audit functions. Um, so I do that. I speak at conferences. I'm off to the Southwest Conference um, and I'll be talking about standards and risk constantly. I have a, a busy time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, best of all, I like talking to our members. I like understanding the challenges. You can't see it, but I have a couch here. So <laughs> when they ring me up with, oh, I've got a meeting with the audit committee coming up and I've got this to do, how do I play it? I say, lie down on my couch, we'll talk it through. <laughs> I'm joking. But I love, but it is true. Yeah. You're a sounding board for a lot yes. of people. Sometimes I confirm. So, you know, they talk to me and go, take, that's what I was planning on doing. Sometimes they go, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm. That might work. And then they go away and reflect. And <clears throat> sometimes they'll come back and say, I, I followed what you said. And actually, it went down really well. So glad we spoke. So, you know, all of that sort of thing uh, is part of my day job. I can imagine why they love talking to you, Liz. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I'm going to end with the three questions we always end on. And this is maybe part one of a two part that we could get into because I'd love to talk more uh, on this. But the questions we always ask at the end of this is one, the first one is a small happening instant in your leadership that shaped fundamentally your leadership approach and mindset. What would it be? I think it was the relationship with my father Mm. uh, and his patience, his huge support for me, you know, not not the brightest kid on the block. He he was. I mean, maths was his thing. He was a navigator. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got this daughter who struggles with fractions. Um, but it, he didn't let it show. He didn't, I didn't feel devalued because I didn't get something he took as a given. And that has really shaped me as a leader in terms of, you know, where people are struggling. Um, even if sometimes they don't know they're struggling, it, it's not about, um, it's not about criticizing them for struggling. It's about how can I help? How can we, you know, would it help if we did this together? So, you know, some new internal auditors that I've recruited, I'll do an audit with them, not as the head of internal audit, but yeah, I'm part of your team. Yep. You're leading on this audit. Tell me what you want me to do. Hmm. And, and we'll do it together to provide nice. support, patience and guidance, hopefully, and leave them with lasting memories. My father died when I was 16 in 69, mm. but he's with me every day yeah. because at, at almost everything I do in the work environment is influenced by things he taught me. I can hear that. He'd be very proud of you as well. So, no, amazing. I hope so. One thing you'd disrupt about leaders today, what would it be? Complacency. <laughs> and And sometimes lack of courage. Mm. I think... Internal auditors, and this might get you some emails, so uh, forgive me, but sometimes internal auditors think this is a job for life, like any other job. It isn't. Um, as a head of internal auditor, CA, you make decisions and you set parameters and boundaries and you have lines. And sometimes the organization uh, may cross those lines. So you have an issue. And you need to know that you have the support of your audit committee. And if your audit committee is not supporting you, you might need to do the, you know, where is it? I've got a, oh, I can't find it. Here's the envelope with my resignation in it. Mm. Because actually you've made my position now untenable. Uh, and, and I can remember that um, when I worked for the TV company, they, one of the, the staff, um, had asked for their bonus to be paid early and then resigned. And mm. the CEO wanted to go back, search through all their emails to see whether they could claim back the. And I said, no, no, you can't, can't do that. That's a fishing expedition. You don't do that. Mm. And she said, well, I might want to do it. And I said, well, you do want to do it. Then I will talk to the audit committee and I can't stay here because my code of ethics won't allow me to do that. Mm. So she went, oh, okay, all right yeah. then, I mm. won't do it. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one for me about personal stance. Some people don't feel they have the authority, but actually everybody has the authority yes. to say, this is a place I don't want to work. Once they've been curious about what's going on, but yeah, this doesn't fit with me. More people having the courage to do that, I think would yeah. be. But, but I think also audit committees have a part to play in this as well. Mm. So, you know, I always say to people, I've, I've appeared over the last probably 25, maybe longer years before audit committees. I've chaired an audit and risk committee. Some feel a bit like the comedy program, Grace Brothers, are you being served? Pat on the head. You've done very well, Liz. And I know they haven't got a clue what I've just spent the last half hour telling them. Yeah. And then others could give, I always think, the Spanish Inquisition uh, lessons in torture because th they are really demanding of internal mm. audit. And somewhere in the middle of all that is an audit committee 
that works with internal audit, that in, internal audit can be honest and open with and flag up concerns they have about the organization and the audit committee can challenge, absolutely, but challenge supportively and constructively. If the audit committee doesn't have that relationship with the CA head of internal audit, they should be doing something about it. And that is, perhaps you're not right for this organization. I think that's uh, it. We train our advisors by inviting people who've never been non-execs into our business. We have an advisory board where they come and they they play, as we describe it, play to be an advisor, but they learn. And and they learn because when they push too hard, we push back and they get that experience of what it is to be that trusted advisor, but independent and connected in terms of what we do. So I love that analogy. Final thing. This is an interesting one because I'm always, as a farmer as well as an internal order, what's the one leadership habit in your life that is non-negotiable for you? Oh, that's a, a challenging one, isn't it? I think it's dishonesty. Mm-hmm. I I will not I will not tolerate that. Mm-hmm. Um I I I think whatever the story is, whatever the issue is, on honesty is always the best policy. And we're back to my father again. Mm-hmm. Um you know, who told me that all the way through. So, you know, you send your parents go to parent teachers night Mm. and I've forgotten to tell them that I haven't been doing my homework and and they're going to get all that feedback. I learned very quickly. If I, if I was honest with them before they went, I didn't get into trouble when they came home and knew things I hadn't told them. And for me as a leader, that's always what I've wanted. Mm. Always tell me. I will stand and defend you to the hilt if I know what's going on. If I don't and you leave me vulnerable, that's not acceptable. Uh, what a great place to end. I don't think there's anything that the two of us could leave unsaid in this conversation. It's great. Liz, if people want to find out a bit more about you or get in contact with you, where would they find that? Yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also, um, they can get hold of me through the Institute at liz.sandwith at iia.org.uk. Amazing. And I'd love to hear from any anybody. If I'd I've love to see wrong, our email exchanges after this <laughs> to see whether people agree or the next time we get together. So yeah. amazing. Liz, appreciate you coming on. And as I say, hopefully this is one of many that we have a chance to have a conversation. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I've enjoyed it, Colin. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Liz. Incredible uh, conversation. It's one of those people that you meet that you can just have a conversation with. And this is the second conversation, just talking about her background, her father being in the RAF, the stories of maths and how uh, she almost fought against, in some ways, some of the things her dad was good at, but how, in a lot of ways, she learned so much from being a part of his life and him and his patience was one thing that stuck with me today. And I think in leaders, we can learn a lot as she she summarized at the end. I think there's other things in there about her ability to balance arguments, decisions, thoughts, and association. That's what she has to do, but I think it's natural to her. So you know, my challenge about the larger shops, smaller shops, internal audit terms, and the advantages, there's advantages and disadvantages, as she highlighted there, to what we're talking about. Again, this comes back into this piece that in a leader's role, there are many things, the people, the risk, 
the compliance, uh, the commercials, the financials. And as leaders, we need to get better, not experts, but get better at understanding our roles in there. And Liz demonstrates that in her work in the association, applies some of those learnings in there. So fascinating lady, um, love talking to her. And I'm sure you enjoyed listening. I look forward to welcoming you back another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast very shortly.